Welcome to the Movement Made Better podcast, powered by Stick Mobility. We are your hosts, Dennis Dunphy and Neil Valera. Today's guest, Alex Canellis, founder of Landmine University. Alex, uh, if you wouldn't mind giving the listeners a little background on yourself, please. Yeah, sure thing. I'm a, a strength coach. A little bit of my background, I'm from Iowa City, Iowa, where I grew up. And I played football there at the University of Iowa. Grew up playing football and wrestling. And a couple of injuries kind of cut my career short there. And I ended up being a strength and conditioning coach at the junior high and high school level for 10 years there in my hometown in Iowa City. Just fell in love with coaching, fell in love with the weight room. I've always been in love with the weight room. Then ended up actually coming out to San Diego and hooking up with David Weck. And I was kind of working over there at Weck Method and helping him with his certification classes, WEC method qualifications, and making it work there. And then my wife is also a nurse here in San Diego, so we've been out here for a little under two years. Sort of my background training-wise, I was obsessed with powerlifting for a while. I used that with my kids back home. Um, as a strength coach, we had a lot of success just running a bunch of high school kids on a West Side Barbell type of program. I love that stuff. I got into the spinal engine theory and kind of started thinking a little bit harder about functional movements in our body and kind of the way that our body is meant to work, like each movement specifically, each muscle specifically, and how everything kind of fit into the gait cycle and got down this functional rabbit hole and realized that what I really was in love with was still lifting weights. And mm -hmm. I really loved lifting weights and I wanted to find a way to take this concept of functional movement and sort of moving our body the way it's meant to be moved and this sort of primal weightlifting feeling that I that I was missing because when I got down the whole functional mm -hmm. rabbit hole, I stopped lifting weights for a little while. I didn't like the way that that felt either. So Landmine University kind of came about by me mostly just obsessing with this tool because I felt like it was kind of the fastest way to get people to tap into what engine-driven movement felt like. And it was also something that I could load. We could set PRs and uh, lift weights and get stronger. So that's kind of where it came from. And it's still in its infancy. So we've done a few coaches certifications. We've done four so far. We have a couple more on the schedule. Putting the website together was kind of a project that I took under this year when I couldn't work with real people. So I kind of dove into that and set that up. So landmineuniversity.com is kind of another way to access the system and kind of learn what it's all about. And what it really is, is a functional alternative to the Olympic lifts. In my head, it's something that strength coaches who either have gotten away from the Olympic lifts or never really wanted to get into them and sort of for the right reasons and kind of get exposed to uh, something that feels similar as far as the bar speed and just the KPIs, but sort of works in the totally different movement pattern. So yeah, that's where it came from and that's, that's where it's heading. The goal for me is to get it into the hands of as many strength coaches as possible mm -hmm. because there's just, Great transfer for athletes. The landmine's a fantastic tool. Uh, yeah. It really is. And uh, But it's kind of like you were kind of inferring early, just a few seconds ago about it's almost like functional training. People, I don't think, think it's a strength thing sometimes. Right. And I think, it, I think that it can be. And I think that 
one of the things with the landmine is it allows for such freedom of movement mm. that no one's ever really sat down and created like a system of like, hey, this is some set rules. We're going to lift it like this, this, this way, and we're going to be able to measure it and be able to use it as a strength marker. And what we've kind of done is set some sort of standards for just a one-armed clean and a one-armed jerk and a snatch uh, where we switch hands. But some really um, explosive movements that I think are the best movements with this tool. Not that all movements are great, and I'm a big fan of all different types of exercise. I don't like bashing on one style or anything. I mean, there's just so much you can do with the landmine that it's easy to get into doing a bunch of weird stuff. And mm. that stuff is great. But for it to fit where I think it fits, which is like, it's there's so many advantages to this tool. that I think that a lot of strength coaches who are kind of married to the barbell, you get a lot out of using this more. It's kind of a replacement for, for certain things. We can add rotation. We can make it more mm. core driven. We can start seeing that long side and short side of the body we could do a lot of coiled stuff and that stuff is unique that you can only really do with the landmine yeah i like the the force vector too right with olympic lifting power lifting it's up and down but with this we're getting this this nice drive angle so yeah. which probably you know correlates more to sprinting and running anyways yeah absolutely so like one of the things with the system is principles so like mm -hmm. when i set out to kind of create this system I knew that we needed principles, kind of overarching rules to fall back on. And our first training principle is forward intent. So when you see people that have kind of gone through the system or learned this specific style, what you notice is that they're actually, with their butt back, we are actively trying to move the landmine. So we're trying to push the bar through the landmine. We're trying to push the rack. If it's in plates, we want to be moving the plates the entire time, every single one of our movements. We get the slack out of the system, so to say, mm -hmm. by applying forward intent. When we're doing our lunges, we're trying to move through the landmine the entire time. It's amazing what that does as far as, number one, when you put that intent into the bar, it's exhausting. But like yeah. To use it for conditioning can be super fast and effective, but it also gets the slack out of people's bodies. And when we start adding a couple different like rotational elements, landmarks, which I'll talk more to you guys about in a little bit, it's amazing how explosively people can move. What kind of athletic positions you see people start just popping into all that comes from that forward intent where you're kind of wedged. So we do apply that to all of our movements, our basic squat movement, we call a pounce squat because down at the bottom of the squat, you're driving. You're trying to move the bar forward. Um, and it's also, that's really powerful for the isometric training. Another one of our principles is just positions before transitions. So one of the really special things with the landmine is it will set people up in ISOs, but they're in a position to drive. So we're actually able to hold positions that we're going to find when we sprint, angles that we're going to find, forward intention. You can do it with the wall, but it's kind of cool to do with the landmine too. And then we'll add rotational intent to that as well. So you'll mm -hmm. see us twisting the bar a lot, having somebody try to twist it away. And all that stuff makes everything rotational, which is powerful. That's how we're meant to move. Because that's a fascinating part, especially in contact sports. I think some people have this perception, especially in contact sports, that you're just trying to push 
directly on a on a singular plane and you're like no you're trying to manipulate your opponent also which requires rotating them and getting them out of your way so that's a great little facet that, that yeah. i love seeing in your programming absolutely the whole uh spinal engine concept to me was a game changer like that when you start feeling that and you start looking for that in sport you realize that everybody's going through these little changes in the frontal mm -hmm. plane so our shoulders and hips are getting closer together farther apart as we move and then you realize that man that's kind of everything you're doing so I played a little bit of defensive line and offensive line in college. And I can tell you that when you tap into what your lats are really doing, your obliques, and that's the great thing about the system. We've had a couple of big time weightlifters come through and do the certification. And the feedback from them is just that they've never been so sore in their lats, their <laughs> obliques, their lats, and their outer calf. And that's kind of like, that's what we're looking for. So we do all the training on the ball of our foot. Your heel will never touch the ground, which is also powerful for an athlete because that, that's what oh, yeah. you're doing. When, you know, at all the important moments of the sport, you're on the balls of your feet, you're not on your heels. So just yeah, that alone is powerful. So you were talking about the uh, spinal engine theory a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'd say not a lot of people know about that. Could you give like, I guess, like a brief, yeah. maybe like summarized version of it? Yeah, like if I had to summarize it, it's basically, and we're, what we're after is like a theory of functional movement. So what is the primary function of our body? All these muscles and bones are in here. How are they meant to move? How are they meant to work? And it's this guy, Serge Grekovetsky with the spinal engine theory, watching animals move and just watching, you know, infants move, watching some people who have some obstacles like missing limbs and stuff the, the idea here is that when you watch these animals move everything we're doing with our extremities happens after or because of movement in the spine so like your ribs and hips our shoulder goes down and back our hip goes up and forward and then we move our leg to take a step essentially if you watch a lizard move you're going to see changes in the frontal plane you'll see the shoulder get closer to the hip and then the hand moves and vice versa. So this idea that instead of basically trying to brace our shoulders and hips square and move our extremities, that really athletic functional movement is created with changes at the core and then sort of expressed with your extremities. So we find ways to make all of our movements core driven and to find simple ways to cue the spinal engine is to say, hey, at some point, you're going to need to get your shoulder down and back, your hip up and forward, make sure that that's how you're generating power. And that's how you're initiating movement and finishing movement. So the whole system is based on how can we make it happen. And what we do is we use landmarks kind of on the body. So we'll start everybody with a wall stretch, which maybe you've seen us doing on the Instagram and stuff. And what we'll do is we'll try to make a contact with our elbow, like the bony part of our elbow and our hip on the same side, nice and low. And you can even do this in your chair. You can touch mm -hmm. the front of your elbow to the front of your hip as low as possible. And then we work on, we'll weaponize this other elbow to make that side long. And we, we think about a land, we call this a landmark. So where your elbow and hip are touching, that contact point, that is our landmark on the short side of our body. We create pressure from both sides. So you're hiking your hip up into your elbow as you drag your elbow down into your hip. Your oblique, your lat will light up. You'll feel how you're generating force from the core. And then we start using that to initiate and finish all of our movements. So 
you can do this system with any anybody. That's what's so great about the landmine. I've got like 89-year-old guy that does this stuff with us. His feet aren't super far apart. He's not in super deep lunges, but we just established that elbow to hip contact point. And that's kind of how we measure his range of motion for all the movements. And he's gotten a lot of he's moving a lot better, opened up sort of his posture and his gait. I mean, there's reasons why our spine is segmented. I mean, and if you look at it, instead of being yeah. stiff as a board, we, we need to have that fluidity. Absolutely. I think it's really common even with the mobility stuff to address one joint at a time and to sort of lose sight of the fact that we most, we have so many joints and segments in our spine, their capacity to move is, is powerful. So we need to address it, make sure we're doing it the right way. You know, that's the skeletal system is really like the strongest system in our body. That's really what we're doing, right? Just stacking our bones, Mm -hmm. creating impact. Do you find resistance to that type of perspective on the spine as as far as making it more fluid or more mobile? Yeah, I think because what we're trying to do is we're trying to change basically a little bit of the behavior and the whole thought process of the strength and conditioning coach. Mm -hmm. I think that for too long, strength and conditioning coaches are kind of married to how can I train the muscular system? How do our muscles work when we're standing straight up and down, right? So Mm -hmm. how do I train my spine in the frontal plane? Well, maybe we do a side bend with the dumbbell and maybe I don't like that because that's, that doesn't feel right or it doesn't seem to be the way that my back is supposed to work. Well, really the way our body's meant to move is multi-planar. So not only are we side bending, but we're twisting a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? We need to be able to do that on the other side. Those are things that you don't do with traditional barbell lifts. Mm -hmm. So the fact that like our whole education and the way that most of us learned weightlifting as a strength coach is with the barbell, it's just created this kind of box of like, hey, when I lift weights, I need to do it with my shoulders square and my hips square. Because if I don't with the barbell, I'll hurt myself, Mm -hmm. you know, because we're just we're basically trying to balance a square object. When people start to feel the landmine stuff, you can see it a little bit, but once they start to feel it and feel what they're generating their power through, it's going to take off. I think it's just a matter of getting the right people and the right coaches to feel it and the right people to to look at it and look at the positions we're in, look how we're training, and then start looking at their sport and deciding like, man, the most important moments where we're winning or when we're losing, what positions do we need to strengthen? And sort of what principles do we need to fall back on? And I think your strength training system and your sport should have a lot of overlying principles. You're going to go through the time to teach somebody a weightlifting technique. It's nice to be able to go out on the field and make a couple of the same cues. That's that's powerful, and that, that way you don't waste too much language. Just give them too much stuff. Because I can see within probably just a short amount of time, and especially an athlete, a football player, for instance, the amount of power and explosiveness that they can generate would have to be just exponentially improved. Yeah, absolutely. And I use the landmine a lot with my kids. I I, uh, coached. Lucky to have a lot of success at the high school football level. We won six straight state championships back home. Um, a lot of the landmine power stuff 
was the base of our program. That's kind of what we used as a measuring stick for how much power can you generate. Um, I really like the bar speed. It's similar to an Olympic lift. The difference is, again, we're practicing that forward and ten. And really, every movement that we have is about creating a long side, a short side, and transferring your weight. So not only are you getting stronger, you're getting faster. I've been able to measure that. It's something that correlates better than a lift sprint that I've ever seen before. So I haven't been able to, because I was all into the power lifts. I thought maybe the kids with the most improvement in their squat would improve the most on their 30-yard dash. Haven't seen it. Tried it with the Nordic hamstring curl. Still didn't really see it. Okay. The landmine stuff, when we were transferring weight, we were going long side to short side. There's just a connection that kids make, and they learn how to accelerate. They're just better at accelerating. Their starts got better. The positions got better. We got to use some of the same cues about setting yourself up in the coil and your start, what it's going to feel like to go back and forth from that long side, short side. And that was it, man. I was hooked. I was like, there's something to this. This is going to make people faster, more explosive, and you can load it. So all the great movement stuff that you're seeing people rolling ropes and clubs and all that stuff is great. Swinging clubs, our body is meant to move that way. It's powerful, but it's hard to set a one rep max. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's and once you start doing that and you realize that, man, I'm getting stronger at this. Every step feels stronger. I feel like I can generate that force when I punch, when I throw, when I swing. That's where it fits. It fits in the explosive strength part of everybody's program. That's one of the first things as we get older that people start dropping out. Oh, they'll start, they'll keep moving, they'll keep working. A lot of people keep lifting weights. But what they stop doing first is anything explosive. To me, it's the fountain of youth. I mean, when you when you get your heart rate up doing explosive sets of one and two, and you get yourself through that Olympic-style workout, you feel younger. You feel ready to jump, ready to sprint, ready to move and play, you know, real sports. That's And that's kind of always been my, my go-to. That's why I'm in love with it. And I like all different kinds of training, like I said. If you're interested in really feeling athletic and i think a lot of these functional movers are i think people are looking for ways to feel more athletic and to tap into the mobility that they have in their mm -hmm. youth once you find that mobility to be able to snap in and out of those ranges it's like puberty again man it's like you just <laughs> feel, okay. the first time you can touch the rim it's like all right i feel good this is i'm ready to go i'm ready to unleash on somebody so mm -hmm. So you were talking about bar speed and everything. Are you doing ma mainly, you know, measuring weight or are you doing like those velocity meters too? Yeah. So we don't have access to a good velocity trainer mm -hmm. right now, um, like a Tendo unit or whatever. I love that stuff. We use them in college for like we use them for snatches. I thought it was an awesome way to compete with your buddies like that. In essence, where this fits to me is like in the college football weight room and with a Tendo unit. Right. And with a way for kids to compete and to make sure that they're staying over a certain speed because that's the speed of their sport. And we need them to be stronger at that speed. Uh -huh. So when it's time for you to hit somebody, what speed are your joints straightening at? I want to be able to train you at that speed and get you stronger at that speed. And part of that is getting stronger overall with the movement. We do a lot of heavy singles. It's a pretty fast move. So like to be able to do more in my clean and jerk is to make now my 
50%. Now my 48%, I'll get faster at those weights too. We do it all. But absolutely, because we're trying to get more explosive, it makes sense for this to be like a velocity-based movement. Right now, me and my personal training, that's just something that I go by feel, right? So I want to do snatches and I want to go dynamic. I want to keep it fast. There's just a certain moment where I know I'm sacrificing that final speed of the bar for a little bit of extra weight. And generally speaking, and depending on how you want to do it, most of the time we're hanging out in the 60-70% range and, and working for explosive strength. A tendo unit or a bar speed measure would be a really valuable tool for this style of training. And in the future, the protocols, kind of the bar speeds that you want to hang out at, are going to be really similar to traditional Olympic weightlifting protocols. Bar for our clean is going to go from the floor to our chin, just like a barbell clean, the jerk's going to go from the chin overhead. Programming-wise in general, lucky for me, there's hundreds of years of Olympic weightlifting yeah. programming out there. We've copied the, those movements. We've just added a couple different principles. The bar speed and the basic positions, the speed of the movements are very similar. So most of the time I'm running either like a Russian or a Chinese Olympic weightlifting type of program with the landmine system. And, and sometimes we just adjust reps because we're doing most of the stuff with one arm. That's the biggest consideration you have to make. It's like, how much time do you have to train? How are you going to make that adjustment? So if you were doing like, let's just say you're doing five reps on a normal Olympic lift, then you would cut it. You go three and three or something like that, or two yeah. and two. Yep. 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 Yeah. I'd do three or three, two or two. The best way to figure that out is to kind of give yourself a gauge, make sure you understand how long it's taking you to get through a set. You want it to be comparable. Different people are different when you get to know this system, it can take a little bit longer. So you just want all the technique to be perfect, all the reps to be perfect. Have you found that, you know, more people can do this because it seems like the positions don't require as much mobility as say a normal Olympic lift? Absolutely. So like, yeah, that's one of my favorite things about it. I think it's way more accessible than the Olympic lifts. When I was in college and we were using the Olympic lifts, like that was a big component of our strength program. And it still is in a lot of college football weight room. What I realized was, and I didn't mind doing heavy cleans. We did heavy cleans. That's fine. I liked them. Then I had injury with the bicep. I had a couple of sprains on my wrist. And my front rack position started getting a little bit uncomfortable, yeah. which a lot of kids in there had terrible front rack position. And that was one thing that always had me scratching my head. When I was interning with the strength coach, it was one of the questions that I always wanted to ask him was that we're going heavy cleans. And we're using this as a measurement of how strong our athletes are. But when I look over here on this side of the room, I've got athlete A who maybe did cleans in high school and who has mobile wrists and it looks great. I can tell he's doing a clean. Then I look over on the other side of the room and athlete B with tight wrists is leaning back and just doing so it's a totally different exercise. Mm -hmm. This is a different exercise and this is what our program has been built on and I never saw anybody shrink that gap. Mm -hmm. This guy over here does terrible hand cleans his entire career. With this system, it's been amazing how easy it is to teach and how accessible these positions are. And you're going to feel like through the core, through your lat, your lat will feel much more packed. Your oblique will feel much shorter. Even your QL will strengthen in your glute mm -hmm. because on one side, you're going to be able to get shorter when you're longer on the other side. But the same thing 
sort of happens with rotation. So when I'm asking you to get in this full double external rotated rack position, it can be really difficult. Mm-hmm. But when I tell you that we're going to go internal rotated on one side, all of a sudden, man, it's easy. It's yeah. easy. And you start realizing, gosh, maybe that's just the way that your shoulders are meant to move. You know, I mean, maybe if we want to get externally rotated, it makes sense to internally rotate on the other side. Because those little subtle changes in the unilateral sort of like way that your body's meant to move, bipedal locomotion, the fact that we are right-handed or left-handed, it just makes sense to train that way. You're going to play that way. You're going to move that way. And like you said, our clean, our front rack position, so much more accessible than the Olympic lifts that it's really opened the door for me to do explosive weightlifting. And that's why I'm so passionate about it because for me, it allowed me to do this thing that I had given up. wasn't comfortable in a front rack, so I wasn't doing heavy cleans, wasn't doing heavy jerks. I missed throwing the weight. I missed throwing something over my head and dropping it, but I just wasn't comfortable in those positions. And this is a way for us to train with the same intensity, the same bar speed, get that same feeling, really load it, too, but to do it safely and to do it in positions that are accessible. We haven't had any injuries, which is another incredible thing about it. We've loaded aggressively and we've used it for a lot of different people. We have yet to have an injury, which is nice. We're not directly loading, mm-hmm. you know, actually on your lower back, which is great. As we get into the more compromising positions, that force vector kind of plays to our favor a little bit which allows us to be explosive into those positions. And then we do use bands sometimes just to, to solve that problem too. Yeah, man, yeah. It's, it's safe and it's accessible. Yeah, that was one of the things the first, when I first came across your Landmine University, when I saw that, that was one of the first things that I thought about because my front rack is, it's, it's, hor- I don't do it. It doesn't exist. It no. doesn't exist. <laughs> and, right. You know, so when I saw your stuff, I was like, money. I was like, that is freaking amazing right there. So it's like I love that you reference that your injuries just haven't seen that because of the fact that you are allowed to get better into a position that's more comfortable right. and accessible. And some of the things that you would want someone to focus on, as soon as you're in a pain range, you're not focused on anything. And yeah, that, no, yeah. What we want to get out of that front rack is is your ability to be externally rotated and pack that lat. Uh-huh. Man, we're doing that times a thousand. You're gonna feel that. You're gonna feel Actually, some people tap into that so well that when we start understanding the whole rotational intent, and and I'm talking not twisting, we initiate most of our movements with straight frontal plane changes. Mm -hmm. When they start understanding that, they actually then become better at the double front rack anyway. So some of this stuff, when we can isolate a dominant, non-dominant side, decide who's shrugging, who's having Mm -hmm. a hard time really initiating movement, with the core, with the oblique and the lat, sometimes we can get them into better bilateral positions too. Your front rack will improve with the bar. Yeah. So you, you've got the clean, the jerk, and then did you say you're doing the snatch too? Yeah, we're doing the snatch. So all this stuff comes with changes based on long side and the short side of your body. You see us splitting our feet. Mm-hmm. Whichever foot is in front, we correlate that with the short side of the body. Mm-hmm. So when we did the little landmark exercise, you'll see us no matter what position, whichever foot's in front, that elbow is going to be wedged in the hip for a snatch because we're going to go all the way from floor to overhead. And we're only going to make one switch of which side's long, which side short. We actually have to change hands. So the snatch, we do explosively, but we go 
coiled, high pull, and then we switch hands, switch feet, switch which side of the body's long, which side's short, and which side we have that landmark on. So yeah, so the snatch, and the biggest difference between our snatch and what you'll see uh, other people doing is forward intent. So we're always mm -hmm. establishing an aiming point. We're always trying to move forward towards our aiming point, and we're not twisting. So what you see a lot of people do is turn their head away and then turn back towards the lane. We don't do that. We don't spin around. We don't change our aiming point. We always have one aiming point straight ahead. We find it, we focus on it, and then we go towards it for the entire movement. So you'll see a little bit difference there. The other thing is our feet will always point straight ahead at our aiming point. We'll never shift our feet. That's just one of our principles. Yeah. And then a hundred different assistance exercises. So like... Understanding that long side, short side concept, when we do a single leg loaded exercise, like a lunge or a split squat, we'll usually do it coiled, where we'll set that side short, or rotational, where we'll express with some type of long side, short side switch. Programming-wise, if I'm new to this tool, I mean, how many days a week am I looking for as far as a programming segmentation? Yeah, so there's different, and we talk about this a lot at the certifications like when people come get exposed to the system i always want them to leave with a game plan of how mm -hmm. they use it to improve what they're already doing the simple concepts so the concepts of forward intent rotational intent with the bar finding those landmarks those are things that if you're just getting into this system you should probably be spending like 20 minutes every single day and when we do the wall stretch thing, that becomes kind of homework for people every day to get deeper into that landmark and to find what it really feels like to establish that short side of the body, long side of the body. I think the best way to get into this is to spend a little bit of time with it often. So a little bit of frequency here. And again, one of our position or one of our principles is positions before transitions. So like mm -hmm. one of the best things you can do is if you're doing isometric training as part of your current program, try some with the landmine. And if you're not doing isometric training, sprinkle some in and try it with the landmine. I always tell people 60 seconds each side on a blade lunge, which I can talk you through. 60 seconds each side takes two minutes to add to your program. And when you do it with the right intent, you'd be shocked at the changes you can make. And also how you can start to understand some of these principles and concepts just by distilling them. So like what I tell people to do, get into like a split lunge position okay. and mine right under your chin and you're driving forward. So we're establishing that forward intent. Your feet are split and then you add rotation to the bar. So you don't move the bar to your shoulder. You just spin the bar, uh -huh. you spin it towards your front foot. You find that hip and elbow connection. And then what you do is hold for a minute. And if you have a partner, he tries to twist the bar away from your front uh, foot. And you just maintain that rotational intent too. So you're driving forward, your feet are split, you're lifting your hip up into your elbow, and you're adding that rotational intent. You'll light up your lats, your obliques, you'll activate a way to shorten your core in the frontal plane that you didn't you never knew you had. And then as soon as you get done with that, you do it on the other side. You can start then just kind of adding those coiled positions into things that you're doing for assistance work. The biggest thing I tell people is this can be really easy to teach, but I never want people to get frustrated. And that's kind of the gauge. If someone's really enjoying it 
and they're picking it up quick, do it for an hour. But if mm-hmm. someone's just getting into it and they hold those positions and it's a lot, and maybe it's intense for your lat and your oblique to be in those positions, and maybe we start moving around a little bit and it gets a little bit frustrating, just microdose it. Just do 10 minutes a day until they're comfortable in those positions, and then they can move through them because it is different. It's a totally different range. It's a different range of motion. If you're used to straightening your elbow with your shoulders square, and then I dip your opposite shoulder low, you're going to find a longer tricep. Everything we do, we're about adjusting the spine to get into a deeper range of motion to make things more core-driven. And when you first get into it, man, your obliques, intercostals, and your lats will be trashed. So that's why I do recommend kind of microdosing it if you're doing a lot of other training. Yeah, it seems like you could even, like if the landmine was too heavy for, say, like a super beginner, like a kid or semi-elderly, yeah. you could maybe even use um, a stick to kind of guide them, to keep that forward intent, drive yeah. it into the wall. All right, we're lucky to have some stick mobility sticks. We use those all the time for beginners. I just put, yeah. Yep, just use that. And you can either wedge it in the corner of the room or those stick mobility sticks you can put right into in mind. But yeah. even if it's me or you, like, man, even me, if I'm going to hold a stick mobility stick and I'm going to add rotation, uh-huh. and I'm going to be splitting my feet and someone's going to try to twist it away, is you start learning how to initiate movements with these core contractions. Uh-huh. And the weight becomes less and less important um, for the ISOs. So just there and then using that to kind of establish, then our hang position becomes the same thing where like you can see, we'll have one foot back in our hang position, but we're really focused on the front foot and finding that landmark. All those positions that you can hold, lockout position, those are going to be tough with the stick. And we use Uh the stick for a lot of people and especially for the explosive movements. I'll usually make sure I like the way it looks with the stick before I'll put them under a bar. And it is super accessible to, to little guys. And we've got a couple of sort of trainers with young kids who pop by and they see what we're doing and I'll throw a stick in there for them and they'll just start copying it. It's just, it's fun and it comes natural to them. They're always surprisingly good at it. It's awesome to watch kids just gravitate to things. They just, you just give them simple instructions and they just get into it. Yeah, if they're getting positive feedback and if they chose to do it, then it's super powerful. They pick stuff up pretty quick. Yeah, they don't have all those inhibitions and and unlearning to do. That's just... Yeah, that that sort of those movements come really natural. They feel good when you do them, so... Just talking about all these motions, it seems like you could apply these principles and take take it into your med ball training, too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of my favorite things about sort of this system is that it came from the landmine, but then it opens doors to a lot of different pieces of equipment. And what you can do is use some of the same cues. When you get into that whole concept of the landmark, which is like something that we just spit over and over and over, we make sure people have good posture. And then they learn how to close down that landmark from both sides, how to bring their hip up to meet their elbow. The whole concept of rotating the bar, we'll take a dumbbell and we'll do the same thing. We'll start with the dumbbell here, we'll add rotation, and we do a step press, uh-huh. do a traveling clean, we do traveling snatches hand to hand, and really just getting good at setting those coils, setting those positions, which I think is easiest with the landmine. But then once you do that, once you've felt that, 
It's crazy how many pieces of equipment, the coiled swings, a lot of the stuff that you see Chris over at WEC Method doing Mm -hmm. uh, becomes, I think, much more accessible and easier to teach once you start learning how to just lock down this landmark. So it's really sort of my whole system has come from, I think I've got it boiled down to the simplest language to make someone feel this core-driven movement and help people teach it to other people. So really simple cues, really simple positions that once you start learning how to pop in and out of them, you're moving better right away after one session. So that's that's kind of the goal. Yeah, I'm super excited to take the course. I was so amped for it. When I saw your schedule, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to get in on this. So yeah. yeah, I need to figure out a day to get down there too. Yeah, no, I'm pumped you're coming. We've been blessed to have some pretty heavy hitters come through. Mm-hmm. And we've gotten some really good feedback. It's really cool to see. My favorite thing is the guys that come through and when they leave, they implement the system. So right away, we're seeing people do the warm-up that we covered at the certification with rooms full of 20 people. They're all doing their wall stretch. They're all hitting their landmarks. They're using it to teach these explosive movements, and they're drifting away from the traditional Olympic lift. Some of the bigger name guys we've had have been awesome and done a great job sort of like in promoting what we're trying to do. But what's really cool is some of the smaller name guys that are actual strength coaches working at the high school level. That's my favorite thing to see. Uh, In rooms full of junior high kids, hitting split clean, split jerks, and everyone looks the same. Everyone's moving explosively. That's what I think is most powerful. That's what I'm really excited about is that I think this is a sort of a system that becomes easy to teach and it becomes a new sort of language for you to use. Like this can really change your whole way that you talk to your clients, the way you think about movement. It can be done really simply, really easily. And really, that's what I'm into is is not overcomplicating things because a lot of this stuff can get overcomplicated quick. And the more you learn, the more tempting it is to make little tweaks and adjustments and give people really super over-specific cues. But um, the more I learn and the more I get into this stuff, the more I want to simplify it and the more I want to translate it into a language that's presentable to a room full of 12-year-olds. So that's, that's really the goal. It's like, how can we teach this movement, make it look the same? make everybody feel the way that we want to feel, but make it super accessible and super simple so that you can share it. Because being able to do a bunch of fancy moves, it's cool, but it's really not what I'm after. That's kind Mm -hmm. of not the end goal. The end goal is to create a system that's going to help people train for explosive strength, train for functional strength, and to be able to do it easily, effectively from a really young age without too much thinking. Yeah, I'm really curious to see if, as we get, like you said, to the younger athlete and make them a better, a more athletic athlete instead of a stiff athlete that we see sometimes, right? And then hopefully we see a downturn in the rate of injuries because of that. You'd hope. I mean, since the invention of the strength coach, injuries have skyrocketed, right? I mean, it's like... (laughs) (laughs) it's pretty simple like statistics to follow that as soon as we had a bunch of strength coaches there also became a bunch of injuries Mm -hmm. so there's that there's the fact that 
powerlifting and Olympic lifting, which are incredible sports. And I think that like, I've got so much respect for people that go hard and do that. And that's part of their life. Man, that's awesome. That was a big part of my life for a while. There's something that starts happening to your body when you over pattern that stuff. You get big, you get strong, you lose some function sometimes, mm -hmm. right? When we get married to the barbell, there's something you can't put your finger on, but it's like, man, that guy's waddling. What function is it that he has missed? Yes. And I think with this landmine, you can really tap into it. You can see what he's missing. You can make him find it explosively. And you can tell if it's on one side or both sides. One of the mm -hmm. cool things was to watch Joe Sullivan come through and do the certification. World record squat guy, like a monster guy. Mm -hmm. uh, and to snap him into a couple of these athletic split positions kind of woke something up in him. I mean, he, he said right away, he's like, man, I'm going to be, this is going to be part of my training. It's going to be this much because I'm a power lifter. Mm -hmm. but there's, exactly. I'm going to find these positions because otherwise, eventually, I'm not going to be able to hit these positions. Like, I can feel that this is something different than I've been doing. I need to do a little bit of it. But it, it's, you know, it's fun for him because it's weights. Right, mm -hmm. it's, it's a weightlifting thing, and that's been elusive to some people. He doesn't want to go run sprints, but <laughs> yeah, he had a couple rounds with this landmine stuff. It really feels like you ran some sprints. Oh, it feels yeah. really similar. Your body will get sore in a similar way. We're in those aggressive angled positions. We're jumping. We're getting a lot of quick contacts, and you're moving explosive. You're explosively loading one side at a time. It really does feel like a sprint effort. Which is cool. Yeah, I've already been trying to mimic some of the stuff that I'm seeing on your accounts, and and I can completely attest to that. I get done with a, a set, and I'm like, "Yep, it's, it's I, need a I need a break. Brutal. I need yeah, a serious break." Brutal. Yeah, yeah. It's not something that you're taking. Okay, I did this for 20 seconds, and I'm gonna wait 20 seconds and get back into it. Yeah, you know, your brain's all like, "Okay, you're gonna take a lot longer break yeah, time it now. Take some time." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this is the first time I've done like gen pop classes at Pacific Beach training. We do classes with, you know, just general population people. We get a lot of girls that come in there just trying to get a good workout. But it's all structured with the landmine system mm -hmm. and they love it. And they love it, A, because some of these coil positions, I really think, are the ultimate way to get into your glute. Um, mm. People start accessing their glute and that sort of facility for building muscle in your glute by accessing their lat and their oblique so people really like that and then man they just love the workout it's exhausting we do every minute on the minute two clean and jerks each side for 10 minutes and the place is just on fire the energy is good everyone's moving explosively they're burning a crazy amount of calories and everyone's just dripping sweat it is exhausting sets of two and we're not putting a lot of weight we're just going going everyone's moving explosively and it, it kind of feels like getting done running some sprints but i hate running sprints so I think <laughs> i'd much rather do this yeah I'm, i agree with you there Big time. you got live courses gearing up so that's great and we are by all means going to try to get you pumped up and get your information out there because it is good stuff so uh, we are just going to enjoy, sit back, and help you, uh, and hopefully watch you grow big time, man. Oh, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me on. And then always uh, the website, too, landmineuniversity.com is just like, I've got five follow-along classes on there. I've got like 30 
tutorials based on specific exercises. I've got just an exercise library with like 120 exercises. It's just a one-time payment for kind of lifetime access to that stuff. Just because people ask, I know it can be hard to make it to the coast mm -hmm. for a certification, but what I've tried to do is through that website, sort of create a follow along experience where you can really learn the system and learn how to implement it with your athletes um, or yourself. So that's another option to kind of learn more. Instagram is at Landmine University. Yeah. Yep. And that's are you on YouTube? No, not really. Trying okay. to get going, but okay. mostly just Instagram. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Well, Alex, thank you for coming on, man. It was a pleasure hey, having thanks you. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm really looking forward to seeing you at the cert. Oh, that I am excited. This is uh, this is what I told Neil. I'm like, I'm after this, and uh, right, I'm bringing uh, Ray Bailey's coming also. Yes. So yeah, so he'll be there. He registered. So uh, yeah, we're both that. we're both pretty amped for that. Oh so man, super I'm excited. Fired. Yeah, kick his ass, man. <laughs> Thank you, Alex. We appreciate it. And yeah, to uh, sure. all the listeners out there, till next episode, be good to each other. Love it.